Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be the fin side. Inside. It ain't the left side or the right side. Good evening, Dolphins fans. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets, as well as the fan-sided network and finfanatic.com. We are continuing our positional previews here with the defensive end and defensive tackle class. But before we get into that, Paul, I mean, and this is kind of a good segue to get into that. The Dolphins brought in Melvin Ingram for a visit. They brought him in several times last year. and. You know, th- this is a quite an interesting situation here because he would be a really good backup defensive end edge player behind Emmanuel Ogba and Jalen Phillips. I mean, you-, you look at him last year. I mean, he played for the Chiefs. He played for the Steelers. Not sure why the Steelers cut him midseason. But as far as qualifying edge players out of 121 players, he ranked 13th by PFF. Um, so, Looking at that, I mean, he's 33 years old. He probably would only require a one-year, $4 million contract, something like that. So when you think about it, I mean, if the Dolphins are trying to move all their chips to the front of the table this year, you know, probably worth it and also probably shows the depth that the Dolphins are looking for at defensive end. Yeah, I mean, the rumor I heard, and again, this is 100% rumor, was Ingram thought he was an every down back or every down uh, rusher and edge player, and he just isn't anymore. Uh, he's very, very good, but I, I don't see him being the every down guy. And if if that's something he truly does still think, or if that there's any truth to that rumor, uh, I just don't see him being a fit here because I see him as more of that rotational rusher that I, I I'll be honest, you can probably get someone that's going to be just as good by mid season out of the draft as you can get for Ingram at a fraction of the cost. And it's probably that if the dolphins don't get a defensive end in this draft in the third or fourth round, maybe they start to revisit that a little bit later in the off season. But on the other side, I start to ask too, if you brought him in, Last offseason, under the same defensive coordinator, why would you bring him in again if you're just going to wait till after the draft on that? But it, it shows that they have some interest in um, in, in building depth there at at, at deep at, at defensive end. It, so it, 
It does. But the other thing I'd say as well is, and I was talking with a fellow Dolphins fan about this today. I, I know you and I have talked about it here on the show. I, I, I feel like we've passed a milestone with this roster and we've hit that point now where are there positions that we would like to see improvement? Yes. Is there anywhere on this team that is on fire and must be fixed now for a while? It was, we didn't have a punter and now we've got a pretty good one. Um, Are there questions about who's going to start on the right side of the offensive line? Absolutely. Do people have some doubts about Dieter? Yeah, but I think he could do more than fine as your every down center. Uh, And so, and would we like to see an upgrade at inside linebacker next to um, Jerome Baker? Sure. But they're not, oh my God, we have to, it's on fire moments now. Now they're like, all right, can we improve this? I don't know. Let's take a look. Let's bring this guy in for a workout. See if we can. If we can't, whatever. Yeah, and that's what it comes down to is that the Dolphins aren't dying for somebody at a certain position. When I look at the depth at defensive end, if Emmanuel Ogbar or Jalen Phillips go down and they played all 17 games last year, who's going to be the guy that steps in and is able to, you know, if the Dolphins are winning in the fourth quarter, be able to come off the edge with the other defensive end. And so for, for me, it would be now you're talking about more of that pass rush style at the end. I think you could slot Andrew Van Ginkle. I think we saw Sam Egwavon do that a little bit in the preseason last year, and it was surprisingly good. Um, so they still have guys that can do that. And, yeah, I mean, if you have a handful of injuries, knock guys down, you're going to have to scramble a little bit. But, you know, I, I'm – I. I don't feel like it, it would be utterly devastating, even though obviously Ogba's the best one we've got. Jalen Phillips is a very promising young athlete. Andrew Van Ginkle's no slouch, though. And I think there are guys that can step in and fill that role. Yeah, two points I want to make on that is Phillips and Ogba played 17 games last year, but they missed games before last season. Mm-hmm. So if one of them goes down again, then the Dolphins don't have that flexibility on defense to, on one hand, bring the house to create that pass rush, but on the other hand, be able to come uh, at, at both defensive end spots if, if they lose either Phillips or Agba throughout the year. So that's why it comes, uh, it, that, that's why it matters with depth as far as defensive end is concerned. But anyway, Melvin Ingram is is somebody that's probably going to be on the Dolphins' radar here after the draft if they don't nab somebody in the third or fourth round. But looking at the class in general, I mean, this is one of the best and deepest defensive end classes I've ever seen uh, as far as players that can really bring it off the edge. I combine every year, and you can go to my uh, my my Twitter feed at, at, at Brian cat NFL and see this, that I combine and do a consensus board really here in April, several times. And one of them is uh, over the last week, I've combined several, several of the big boards from ESPN, PFF, 
and uh, Daniel Jeremiah and, and eight different um, top 50 boards. And what came away from that is four of the top 12 players in this draft are defense events mm-hmm. and eight of the top 35 are defense events. It's a very, very thick class, but it's also very, very deep heading in to the third or fourth rounds where the Dolphins are projected to pick. It is, and I think it, it, it shows some depth even further down as you, go, as you go along. Like one guy would be uh, uh, John Paschal out of da, 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 I'm blanking off, off the top of my head because I didn't uh, plan to jump Kentucky J- Josh pa- Pascal from uh, Kentucky yep. one of my faves it's I mean he's somebody that he made a comeback from having cancer in 2018 has had to rebuild all of his strength could step in and like you said if Emmanuel Agba went down be that defensive end pass rusher style um the end and have a role and a niche right away. He could push up the middle a little bit um, and really be a fun guy to watch in situational uh, moments. So it's, it's, I mean, that's somebody that could be a possibly seventh rounder undrafted because he's, I don't know where he ended up on the combined board, but he's somewhere. Oh, no, Pascal, Pascal is going to be a second or third rounder right now after. uh, Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, he's, he's moving up. Uh, Okay. Well, he I hate hit, when I find sleepers and they jump into the second and I didn't realize. Yeah, <laughs> he had a really good combine and he's been moving up and up and he's a violent defensive end type. Mm-hmm. Um, 15 tackles for loss last year, five sacks, somebody who gets in the backfield consistently. And actually, um, um, Lance Zerline compared him to Emmanuel Ogba in his uh his rankings. Uh, and one I really liked from PFF was a poor man's Brandon Graham. And he's somebody that should go in that second, third round area. And if, if he falls to one Oh two, I think the dolphins would be really fortunate and lucky to get him. Um, somebody else, Cameron Thomas, you know, that we talked about earlier. Yep. You know, off the air, we talked about one of, yeah, off the air. We talked about him. One of my favorites, as well. I mean, what I like about him is that he played that four, three defensive end role at, uh, at San Diego state. He lines up wide, but he pushes his way inside to the quarterback and he keeps his feet moving all the time. I mean, and and when you look at his stats from this past year, I mean, over 20 tackles for loss and double digit sacks as well. He is somebody that at one Oh two, he is second on my board right now of realistic guys that are, are possibly going to be available. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it, is a, it is a very, very deep class. But at the top, Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau, Trayvon Walker. And Trayvon Walker right now is starting to get steam as the number one overall pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, and I find that quite insane because I think Aiden Hutchinson is the best player in the draft for me. He is, but not long ago, we were talking about Kayvon Thibodeau being the, the best player in the draft. And, you know, it's a bit of a pick your poison. I mean, regardless, Trayvon Walker is, is a top 12 player. The interesting thing for me, and this is something I was thinking about a lot because 
and I know I'm going to jump a little bit to our defensive tackle class when I say this, but it's something that I firmly believe in. And we've talked about briefly on the show before one guy that's a top 15 talent on a lot of boards and top 10 on a lot of boards and is a top five talent to me is interior lineman Jordan Davis out of Georgia. Uh, There's a lot I've seen with him that I like and the more of his tape I watched, the more he was fighting through double and triple teams every play, which let's face it, that's going to wear you down a little bit. So I think that plays into something we've talked about on here. But when you get down to the athleticism and skill set, if I could see Jordan Davis in one-on-one or maybe the occasional double team matchups, I think he's somebody that's going to have a little more stamina and you get him with these NFL strength and conditioning guys, you're going to see his stamina go up. But what you can't coach is those 10-yard splits. And his 10-yard split, I don't have the number right in front of me here, was better than Joey Boza as far as that goes. And I see a guy that was utilized in the middle of that defense a lot. Yes, they moved their defensive line, but he was taking on triple teams, which opens up everyone around you. And for offenses to dedicate three blockers on a lot of plays to somebody on a defense that has, I think we've got four or five first rounders and a first rounder next year on that Georgia defense. Like it's, which is insane. That speaks volumes. And I think it helps open some of these guys up, which is where Trayvon Walker is a tremendous talent, but he's probably not going to be in a situation in the NFL where they're dedicating three-fifths of their offensive line to one player. Yeah, and that that may be true. The reality of what's going on out there, too, is that Trayvon Walker is going to be a top three pick. I mean, plain and simple. I mean, we can have our own opinions on... Top five. Top five to be safe, yeah. Uh, In fact, I'll even extend the leash to top six. Okay, yeah, because it's I, I I literally have it written in concrete that the Jets are taking Sauce Gardner at four. Um, and I can know, see it, that. I do. My gut is screaming that the Texans would take Jordan Davis at, at three. I, I firmly disagree with that. Uh, and I understand I, that. I I I I mean I I just don't see how you could take a player that doesn't play, that has not played on third down and has gotten considerably worse as the game has gone on at a defensive tackle position. I see the talent. I understand it. I mean, look, Jordan Davis ran faster than the best cornerback, uh, Darian Kendrick, on his own team. I mean, he's a 341-pound defensive tackle. Darian Kendrick is a 190 pound cornerback who is extremely talented. They both ran four, seven, eight. I get it. And, and but I'm telling I'm you've got to stop him chasing sideline to sideline, which I know sounds insane, but there were so many plays where you'd see Nicobe Dean and Quay Walker try to chase somebody down. And there's Jordan Davis's big ass sprinting past them to make the play. Like, there are things that they can work with him on a little bit, but he's got that high motor. He's somebody that if you start moving him around, 
the defensive line and do some fun things with him, rush him off the edge, you know, like rush him up the middle. You can't account for him in blocking schemes, and you're going to force opposing offensive lines to screw up. And I think at the NFL level, where he's only forced to face one, maybe with a chip block on a lot of plays, I think he's somebody that, that as crazy good as he is, and the fact that he can get better and with the strength and conditioning coaches as well, I think he's somebody that's going to be head and shoulders better than a lot of people are expecting, especially since you weren't going to kick him to edge on that Georgia defensive line, but you might just be able to do that at the next level. Yeah, I I see the talent with Jordan Davis. I, I, I really do. I also think that getting him into the NFL as a even a top 10 pick is requiring him to do things that he showed no ability to do in college. Uh, I, would, I mean, I, I would take that risk and tie myself to it and be ready to just stand up and, and basically say, I mean, we've got to remember Lovey Smith is also his own defensive coordinator and blanking on the name. They just brought him over from the bills, but he's, he's Lovey's right-hand man out there. Uh, Jacques Cesaire is, is Lovey's right-hand man as their head defensive line coach on a, a defensive front that that needs a rework and needs an identity and a personality right smack dab up there after J.J. Watt left after a decade, and, and they're almost listless at times along that defensive front. And I, I expect them with, with two early picks to invest very heavily in, in that front seven, if not the front four. I do too. I just don't expect it to be at, at the defensive tackle spot. I mean, but the Texans have done worse things than that. I mean, I look, I, I just, I mean, as far as, as far as defensive tackle is concerned, and, and I know he's a different breed. I yeah. know he can consume double teams and triple teams. He's phenomenal at that, but I, I just don't see how he's going to be suddenly this 10 to 12 sack guy. And this is going to be one of the best conversations in the aftermath of the draft. Because Paul and I have, have never disagreed more on the value of a player. I, I've, there hasn't been a player like him. Um, and that's, that's where it's an interesting moment. Um, and, and, he does have to be utilized the right way, uh, but also I think the fact that he will be able to fully 100% focus on football, uh, he's going to have the strength and conditioning coaches, and he's not going to be fighting three guys every play to get where he needs to be. And, you know, it's anybody that's I, – I, this is going to sound a little odd, but anybody that's actually wrestled in their life knows that even one-on-one – you 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 wrestle a two minute period, and you don't realize how long two minutes is until you're fully engaged with somebody for that 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 time. And for Jordan Davis to have to sit there and basically wrestle three gigantic three hundred pound dudes, or two three hundred pounders and a two hundred and thirty pounder that got a running start uh, on any given play, play in and play out. I don't care who you are. That, that's going to wear you out. If you've got three kids and they're climbing all over you every, every two seconds, you're going to take a nap. Like, 
It's, yeah. So, so, so in four, it, in 14 games, why did Jordan Davis have two sacks and five tackles for loss? Cause he if he's had this, three guys blocking in most plays. Okay. Yeah. And, then that's, and that's a good forced, argument. And he's forced to rush up the middle, like moving him around and, and given his, his motor and, and speed. If you can put him in situations where he's one-on-one on the edge, could you imagine some of these, these offensive, could you imagine Austin Jackson playing tackle? And having to block yeah. a 340 pound man that can run a Joey Bozes a 10 yard split, Tua would get murdered. Does he actually bring that on a down to down basis? I think he from plays a pass rushing perspective. If, I, I I don't I don't think he does, even though he's a unique player. And, and I'm not saying like I mean he can, may come into the NFL and say. Nobody's ever seen a player like this. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's where the lineman. That's where the intrigue is when it comes to Jordan Davis. I'll also say I think Devontae White, defensive tackle, is going to be drafted, his teammate drafted above him. Possible. Because he, he has shown more of the ability to get back to, to get into the backfield. If if when the game went on, Jordan Davis got better, it would be for me, a different story. We spent a lot of time here on Jordan Davis, and it would. But my last thing on that though is, if he were utilized differently, I think you would have seen it a lot more. I think the way he was utilized opened it up. He was he was basically Jackie Gleason on the honeymooners. The Jackie Gleason was the funniest person on the honeymooners, but his greatest moment was the fact that he made everyone else around him funny while he played the straight man, um, and. That's what I think Jordan Davis was for that defensive line. He catapulted them forward because of the presence and accountability that offenses had as far as he was concerned. He took he took probably the worst role you can take to, to build up stats and mm. still affected games the way he did. Yeah, he is somebody that had to be accounted for every snap until I would argue the fourth quarter and on third down. Now, if he builds up his stamina and brings that same um, athleticism for his size and ability to, to, to consume double and triple teams, man, he'll, he'll be special. No doubt, doubt about that. Uh, so when we look at the top of the draft, I mean, really, the draft overall, as far as uh, defensive ends and edge rushers are concerned. One question I have for you, Paul, is who is one player that you value more than other people do and one player that you value less? I mean, I thought Josh Pascal was going to be my guy, but apparently people caught on to him. I mean, Jermaine Johnson out of Florida, though, is another one. I know he's a second or third rounder, but again, for Jermaine Johnson. Yeah, Jermaine Johnson's going to be a he's a consensus twelfth overall. Is he in the pick. first round now? Jesus Christ, I got to update it, my it, list. It, it, yeah, yeah, you definitely do because he's he's projected to be a top ten pick. People keep stealing all my damn sleepers, and like this is the worst part. Mm. These guys move up throughout the damn off season. Yeah, they do. Um, so, mm. all right, do yeah, yours, uh, and I'll come back to it. But I know Boye Mafe's moving up draft boards, somebody I've been talking about for a while. Yeah, you go first. 
Yeah. So I, you mentioned boy, Mafe and that, that would be my guy. Uh, because when you look at what he's done here in the postseason, I mean, 42 inch vertical leap, uh, in, in the combine. And what I like about him the most is, is the twitch that he has. And when he went to senior bowl week, he knocked it out of the park. And then we, when he went to the combine, absolutely knocked it out of the park too. Um, so w- with that, I, I think he's somebody that's continuing to move up. I would actually consider him over Jermaine Johnson, who is considered right now a top 10 to top 12 pick. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would somebody, too. <laughs> somebody that uh, I would put down further on my cons- on the consensus board, he is the 54th player. And that's uh that's Kingsley and Garibi from uh from South Carolina. I probably botched that last name there. Uh, but I don't see the explosion, I don't see the get off with him. And instead of being a second round pick, I, I see him more of a, really a day three type of pick. So yeah. How about you? Uh, I'm gonna go. You already took Cam Tom or Cameron Thomas. I'm going to go with Amare Barno from Virginia Tech. I know he's a little bit slender for his position, but there's a lot of guys in this in this draft that have very good pass rushing skills that don't have that speed off the edge. And he's one, if you turn on his tape, he's a lot of fun to watch. I know he dropped off from his 2020 campaign, but overall he's somebody that can get there and use his speed to create power with his frame. And it's a lot of fun to watch. Now he's not going to win a lot of power, set the edge matchup. So he's somebody that's going to have to come in as that situational pass rusher. Uh, something we're talking about with Melvin Ingram, but again, he's somebody that the numbers don't necessarily say he's the guy, but he could be in the right scheme and especially a multiple front, like what Miami runs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so other players here that, uh, that have looked at uh, David Ajabo and he tore his Achilles in the Michigan pro day. And what a shame for him. Cause he was projected to be a top 15 to top 20 pick. And he only had one year of production there in Michigan uh, had 11 sacks. I have some speed to power concerns with him, but other than that, I mean, fantastic athlete. And it, now that he's, projected to be that you know second round pick because of the injury i think he's kind of underrated at this point so is somebody i would you know for for teams drafting in the late first round that are that are trying to compete for a super bowl and have, have good rosters somebody i would certainly consider if if i were them um arnold ebichetti is a player that at penn state I loved watching this guy because he was like Tony Dungy's dream as a defensive end. Just peel your ears back and and get to the quarterback. And if, if his hand violence, everything, moving his feet forward, it, it reminds me a lot of Robert Mathis, who was a fantastic player uh, uh, back in the day for the Colts. So, I mean, just a, a lot of good edge players. But as far as it relates to the Dolphins, 
you know, Cameron Thomas is, is one guy I like Josh Pascal's guy. I like Sam Williams from Mississippi is somebody who's six, four, two And when I watched him on tape, he's somebody who's not, you know, body type overly physical, but he's able to, um, he, he's actually willing to stick his nose into the fire. So six, four, two 12 and a half sacks last year, 15 tackles for loss. Somebody that the Dolphins should certainly take a look at that there in the third round. Yeah. And D'Angelo Malone's another one that I know he, he wins a lot with his quickness. Um, but again, it is a really good fit for the multiple front that Miami likes to run. He can drop back, play a little bit of linebacker as well. Uh, he doesn't run nearly as fast as, uh, as, as, uh, Barno with his Barno's four three six time, but I mean four five eight is fast enough to get to the quarterback. Kevon Thibodeau, Jermaine Johnson, they all run in the same range as well as David Ojabo. Um, so he is definitely somebody that can get there with his quickness, and he's got a little more strength than Barno does. So he's one that could be fun to watch as well. Two guys that uh, I wouldn't consider. One of them is Barno. But only only because he wasn't very productive in college, and also he's somebody who is a strictly run around the offensive tackle to be successful type of defense event. Um, and to a higher extent, Drake Jackson from USC is is kind of that same way. Six four, two sixty, really athletic dude, but. I keep going back to, and I'm not sure who said it in the Dolphins organization, but the worst place to be is behind the quarterback. Yeah. Um, and I feel like Barrow and Drake Jackson are two of those types of guys when I've watched them on tape. They're not guys that play through the offensive tackle and play through the offensive guard. So that, that's why personally I would, I would leave them off my list. Well, and, this, and that's where I don't think Barno is going to work in every defense. Um, but given the fact that Miami does a tremendous job of creating rush lanes and, and dropping defensive ends and, and getting creative with the blitzes, I really feel like Josh Boyer could design up some plays with him as a role player, could design up some blitzes with him as a role player that maybe he doesn't need to go around, but you're creating blitzing lanes and setting him up to be successful, going, you know, dropping back, taking his hand out of the dirt, and then rushing from an outside linebacker spot, a la Andrew Van Ginkle, and having blazing speed. Like, we're talking top-end running back speed. If you can create a lane for him to get through, and create that power with the rush and not have to get behind the quarterback to do it. We might be talking about a whole different ball game where Barno might be somebody that situationally fits better with the dolphins. I would move him to tight end. I would take him and move him to tight end at six, six and <laughs> with his length four, three, six speed, move him to tight end and take him in the fourth round. That is what I would do. And I never recommend things like this. I'm not a very creative guy, as you know, Paul. (laughs) 
That, but I would do that's that. my department, but I love it. I love it. Uh, I, I would, I would move him to tight end. I, I really would get more um, fat guys and defensive linemen on offense. Let's go. Let's let's go. I, as far as, um, D'Angelo Malone, I am a huge fan of this guy. He's been at Western Kentucky forever and he has natural pass rushing traits, but also something that needs to be considered is that Andrew Van Ginkle is going to be a free agent after the season and the dolphins can't keep everybody. And when I look at players that could replace that Joker linebacker position, D'Angelo Malone and Nick Benito from Oklahoma Mm -hmm. are two players that make a lot of sense because they have an understanding of timing. They're able to rush outside the, the, the left tackle shoulder, and they're able to have enough athleticism to jump back into coverage. So Nick Benito is scheduled or projected to be a second or third round pick. Maybe he falls to the Dolphins at 102. I don't think he would. D'Angelo Malone, because of how long he's been at Western Kentucky, may fall to that spot, and he would be one of my favorite players there. I I would love the idea of D'Angelo Malone. Um, I mean, all, all the reasons you said, all the reasons that, that I was mentioning before. Um, I'd be cool with Nick Benito. I'd be all right with Sam Williams, even though how do I, how do I put this? As far as run defense goes, um, Sam Williams is the Jesse Davis of run defense. <laughs> I think that's probably the most accurate. You're probably going to get by him in the run game. But if you want to get after the passer, he is very, very good at that. Um, but again, it's, it's, there's a God. This is a really there, there are so many edge players, uh, yeah. and there are so many defensive tackles I'm unimpressed by, to be honest. And, and I'm not talking about the top three guys who are Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt, and Travis Jones. Uh, Logan Hall is a defensive end, defensive tackle prospect who is supposed to go firmly above the Dolphins at 102. Uh, impressive dude. Um, I thought Dylan Parham from Memphis got the better of him. And yeah, I, I see him going somewhere in the second or third round. Um, DeMarvin Leal was projected to be a top 10, top 15 pick. And I never understood it at the time, but now that he's funneling down to the third or fourth round, that starts to make things a little bit intriguing for me with him, but I still wouldn't take him a one Oh two. I mean, he just, he just doesn't stand out in any area. You know, he's, he's okay, but that's, that's it. Yeah. I mean, another guy that I really like, if you want to talk about some deep cuts is Alex, Wright Is somebody that may or may not turn into something eventually. And if he does, I think it could be very special along the, uh, the defensive line. He's 6'6", 270. Um, he's got a tremendous amount of promise, but he seems like somebody that he really needs to figure out his size, length, and athletic combo. So he's going to need some practice squad time, most likely, or to be stashed deep, 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 deep on somebody's roster. But he's somebody that, like I said, he has tremendous upside and potential athleticism. 
Uh, and Tyreek Smith's there's a lot I like about Tyreek Smith and his game out of Ohio State. I know he's not the highest ranked ranked guy in a lot of draft boards. Uh, he's always been fun to watch over the past few years, and I don't know. I feel like there's more upside than the statistics tell you when it comes to him. He would fall between the fourth round and the seventh round for me with the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure where or, or later. And, and I think he falls closer to the, closer to the uh, seventh round. Yeah. Um, we've heard a few uh, fat guys being mentioned here in the chats. Uh, I will throw those out. Uh, Noah Ellis. And Marquand McCall from Kentucky. And also the LSU defensive tackle, Neil Farrell. These are guys who are all 340 pounds and plus. And seventh round, be willing to certainly take a, take a swing at one of those. But we've gone through a lot of players here, Paul. Anything else jump out at you from the chat? Um, Cody Gibbs, thank you, dude. Um, not a huge amount. I appreciate everybody jumping in here. I know we're talking about defensive line, which is one of our deepest positions. I know this is a Thursday night for uh, a lot of folks have off with kids tomorrow. We appreciate all of you guys. Make sure you click like, make sure you guys subscribe and turn your notifications on. Uh, We're going to be hitting the offensive line positions next, which I'm excited for. I know we got a little more to talk about there than we do along that defensive front, even though there's a lot of players we like here. Um, but yeah, man, I I like that we're continuing to do these, even though I know the draft is a bit of a, a write-off for a lot of folks this year, but there's a lot of value to be had at that 102 spot. Greer has shown a propensity for fifth-rounders. Um, there's a lot to like in this draft. There really is, a sp- even at that 102 and later. And offensive line and off-ball linebacker are the ones that we specifically put toward the end. So we look forward to having those shows. Yeah, it's honestly, it's been a little bit of a grind with uh, the Dolphins having their first pick at 102, but we are going to be here every step of the way and prepping you for the Dolphins and the, the uh, 2022 NFL draft. That's going to do it for our segment here. I'm Brian Cat NFL, Paulus Fanatic underscore pick on Twitter. And you can also follow us as well on the finfanatic.com website, as well as the fan side of network. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.
Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. 